the Father's favor. Everyone say the Father's favor. God has favor that he wants us to have. And Psalm 102 verse 13, uh, you don't need to turn there. I'll quote it for you, but I would encourage you to write it down if you haven't. It says this, you will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. You know, we're, we're Zion. You know, the children of God, we're Zion. In fact, Church on the Rock North could fit there. You could rightly read this. You will arise and have mercy on Church on the Rock North for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. I believe 2013 is the time to God wants to favor us in, in ways that we have never experienced. He wants to lift us to new levels of favor. Amen. Amanda, would you like some of that this coming year? New levels of favor. God wants to do that. And so because of that, we've been looking at the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And wow, I have been stirred. In fact, I kind of embarrass myself sometimes. Beverly and I were with some friends the other night and it was not time for me to start being spiritual or start, but uh, somebody said something and all of a sudden all this Mary stuff started bubbling up out of me. Well, let me just say what I'm going to Then I realized, hush up, Sam, you're not in church, so just relax. Uh, but uh, I'm just excited about the, what I'm learning from the life of Mary. Uh, because it says in Luke chapter 1, when the angel came and visited her, that, that she was highly favored. Everyone say, highly favored. Now that means that she moved to a whole new level of favor in her life. That means to me that there are different levels of favor. You see, we all at least come in on the ground level. And I want to tell you, the ground level is pretty awesome because the ground level of God's favor gets you right into heaven. Somebody say amen. For by grace, that's unmerited favor. For by grace, you are saved through faith. And that wasn't even of yourself. It was a gift of God. So the ground level of the favor of God is pretty awesome. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas right now. Yeehaw. Amen. Now, that alone ought to cause you to just get the kind of warm fuzzies all over. Amen. And so we, we all have that, but we can move to another level of favor. But here's the next thing the angel said, you have found favor with God. It's not like God found her and favored her, though he did. It's like something Mary did caused her to move to a place where God could favor her. In fact, that's the whole context of this series that we're, we've been talking about for the last few weeks. The big idea of this series is the favor of the Father is never random. God doesn't just, ra he could. How many of you know he could? But, you know, I've been studying this a little bit and I found out. In fact, let me, this, this verse kind of fits right here. Have you heard this, don't cast your pearls before swine? Now, I don't, you know, he's not trying to call people swine. What is he saying? Don't give something valuable and precious to those who will trample it underfoot and not respect it and not even know and understand its value. So the principle is there. God's not going to, let me, do you reward your children for ugly, being ugly? I'm not talking about physically. I, I, I know none of our kids are ugly. For being ornery. Have you ever had an ornery kid? Oh, no, that's the wrong question. How many of you ever been an ornery kid? Some of you just not confessing it, but I can tell you, I can talk to your parents and they'll tell me you've been on. Hey, do you reward orneriness? It's not, it's not right, is it? If you had, we had three kids and if, if one of the kids did something terribly wrong, we wouldn't get all the kids up and go, 
Okay, Nathan, we know you hit your sister and set the garage on fire. So step on up to the favor of the parents. Am I being, so you get it, you get it? Mary did something in her life that caused her to find favor with God. And so we've been looking, we realize the whole secret, the secret of this uh, from looking at scripture is the condition of our hearts. And if you remember, and this is all repeat, but if you remember when when, uh, the prophet Samuel was going to the house of Jesse to anoint a new king under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, they brought all the sons except David, who was just a little kid out in the shepherd's field. He still had pimples. He was still uh, just a little boy. He was not uh, even, he didn't even make the lineup, okay? They brought them all in and Jesse kept trying to anoint and God, no, 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 not the one. Finally, God says, hey, Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so we learned it's the condition of our heart. In fact, about David, the Bible says of him that God found David, a man after his own heart, who would do all his will. And so we learned this premise about positioning ourselves and finding the Father's favor that it is always a condition of our heart. And so that's the case with Mary. Everybody got it, say I got it. And so here's where we've been with Mary. Mary's heart condition. This is a good heart condition. Mary's heart condition, uh, she placed, hey, she did some things. What was it about her heart? Number one, we learned she had a hearing heart. Oh, I wish I could re-preach that. Mary was in tune with the things of God in her life. She was in tune with the word of God in her life. She was not religious. She was righteous. She was spiritually in tune. And in fact, when the angel Gabriel showed up to talk to her, she was not fearful of his presence, only of what he said to her. It was as though Mary did not have an issue with angels showing up in her life. Now, Elizabeth's husband, Zacharias, scared him really bad. He fell down like a dead man. But not Mary. She was in tune. She had a hearing heart. And we talked about that, the importance of being able to hear what God has to say and tuning ourselves to the word of God. That is, if we as well want to find favor with God in 2013, we're going to have to develop a hearing heart to hear the voice of the, (coughs) pardon me, hear the voice of the Lord in our life. Amen. You got it? Say, I got it. The second thing we looked at is Mary's humble heart. She wasn't bothered by the angel's uh, presence. She was bothered by his declaration of greatness in her life. In fact, he told her this, hey, you're highly favored, so you need to start rejoicing. You know that goes contrary to a humble heart because Mary knew this according to scripture that if I'm lifted up in pride, God will reject me. But she also knew if you stay humble, he'll exalt you. So there's a law of, the, of scripture that he, you're never going to be favored if you're, if you're prideful or arrogant or if you're not humble. So Mary had a humble heart that we need to embrace as well. And then last Sunday, we looked at Mary's holy heart. You know, the only question she had for the angel was how can this be being I don't know a man? She just needed a little clarification, but that reveals her life. She lived a holy lifestyle. She was not a loose woman. She was a holy woman. She was saving herself for her man. Somebody say amen. 
And oh, we looked at a lot of other things that we realized that now that Mary had a holy heart. But today, let's keep moving on. Let's look at the next thought about Mary's heart. Hey, why are we doing this? So you and I can position ourselves on some level and move to another level of faithfulness in our, uh, faithfulness in our life to God. And he be able to move us to a place where he can favor us in the days before us. And so here we go. The next thought about Mary's heart condition. She had a hope-filled heart. Everyone say hope. I love to talk about hope. And how many of you know hope in the Bible is not rock, paper, scissors? It's not like I hope everything turns out all right, knock on wood. That's not the kind of hope. In fact, let me explain. Let me, do, let me build a little biblical basis for hope. Because some of us have misunderstandings about hope. You know, we, I hope it's going to work out. You know, you get your lottery ticket. I hope these lottery tickets, you know, that's not, that's, uh, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something totally different. Let me show you. The Old Testament word for hope, basically, when it's talking about hoping in God, it means to wait patiently for. Now, <coughs> every good Jewish person who was in tune and in flow, in the flow of what? Of, of God's plan for the, for the nation of Israel. They were, before Jesus, were waiting for the Messiah. You get it? And so when you read about hope in the Old Testament, it's this waiting patient. They were all, you know, when's the Messiah coming? And we'll talk about that more. Now, the New Testament past, uh, word used for hope is a little different. Both of these are valid, but the New Testament word means a confident expectation or having confidence in. You get it? Everybody say, I got it. Now, let me show you this. Let me kind of explain this to you. Before Jesus came, the hope of the children of Israel were, were hope, hope, were waiting for the Messiah. You get it? I just got, you got to follow me. Now, when Jesus came, it changed a little bit. They weren't, they weren't hoping for, they were hoping in. They had a confidence in him. Are you with me? Say amen. And so now Mary walked in both levels. She really did. In fact, Mary, remember, she's in tune with the word of God and she was in, in, in sync with God's word for her life. She was waiting for the Messiah. But when you look at her life in detail, she was not only waiting for him, she was, she was having hope in him. Present day. It's like Mary was like Abraham. In fact, hope in the New Testament sense is like the conjoined twin of faith. You can't separate the two. Hope is just another aspect of faith. And faith is another aspect of hope. You can't have hope without faith. You can't have faith without hope. They're so important. How many of you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we understand the importance and the priority of hope in our life. Now, Pastor Sam's old time, from a biblical standpoint, definition of hope. I'd write this down if I were you. Pastor Sam's definition of biblical hope is, is a confident expectation of good for your future. Everyone say a confident expectation of good for our future. I'm telling you, hope-filled Christians don't live down in the basement digging holes, singing, uh, woe is me, somebody done me wrong song. Hope-filled Christians 
may sing old hymns of the church. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's a confident expectation of good for our future. Listen, for the Christian, understand this today. Regardless of what's going on in this life, this is just a fleeting moment and our hope is in him for all eternity. Our confident expectation of good for our future. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. Somebody say amen. You see, I believe today, listen carefully. I believe today God wants to birth, just like, he, just like he developed in Mary's heart. He wants to develop a hope in your heart. Not just a hope for something, but a hope in someone. There's a big difference. A confident expectation in him for all he is and all he has for us. And that was the case with Mary. Mary was walking in Old Testament hope, but she was walking in a New Testament grace as well. She, she was a woman filled with the hope of the coming Messiah. In fact, how do you know, Pastor? Mary's hope. Well, let me tell you. You remember, we already talked about the fact she's a word girl. She knew the OTP. Everybody say OTP. Old Testament prophecy. She knew the word. She knew her OTP. We'd all do good to, have, to know our OTP as well, but she knew her Old Testament prophecy. She knew the, the verse Isaiah seven fourteen, which says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now that's amazing to me. How many of you know that was written many, 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 many years before Jesus was born? She knew her prophecy. Her hope was filled, uh, was, was for the soon coming Messiah. And when the angel came and spoke to her, she just realized, oh my goodness, OMG, I am the one. She had no doubt, she had no question marks about why, because she knew that Jesus was coming, the Messiah was coming through a virgin. And her OMG was, it's me. Hey, that's the way people lived that were in tune with the word and the will of God in Mary's day. She, was, she had that insight. I think about Elizabeth. You remember Elizabeth after she got this declaration. It says immediately she went to Elizabeth's house, who, by the way, remember, is the mother of John the Baptist. And she was pretty far along in her, immac not immaculate, but her miraculous uh, conception because she was a woman in her old age and she miraculously conceived. And so she goes to see her. And what does, what does the, the issue with Elizabeth she never asked her, what in the world is going on with you, girl? When Mary shows up the, the, and greets her, the Spirit of God came upon her and her baby leapt within her and, and there was a confirmation of something she already knew was going to happen. She said, why, why on earth would God bless me enough to even be in the presence of the woman who's bearing my Lord? She knew. She was waiting she had a hope for the soon coming Messiah. 
Another instance, remember after Jesus is born, what do Mary and, and Joseph do? They do the right thing. They do the Old Testament thing. Hey, our son has to go through a process and, and then he has to be given to the Lord in the temple. And so eight days later, uh, uh, they bring him to the temple and there was a man there by the name of Simeon. And you know, the Bible says about Simeon, he was just and devout. In other words, he was in the flow. And he says about Simeon that the Lord had, it says this about him, that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for Messiah. He had a hope in his heart for the soon coming Messiah. You get it? And then when Jesus comes in, the spirit of God witnesses. And and, and he said, because God had promised him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's anointed. And so understand something. They were living, Mary was living in a hope for the soon coming Messiah. But she also lived with a hope in the soon coming Messiah. Because what does it say about her? In fact, what did she say to the angel when he said, hey, you're the one. It's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be the mother of, the, of the, the Most High. You're the mother of the Messiah. God chose you to fulfill Isaiah 14, 7, 14. Uh, she, what did she say? Be it unto me according to your word. That's a woman of faith. And then what did, what did Elizabeth say about her? Blessed are you who believed. You see, Mary wasn't just hoping for She was hoping in him. She had a hope in the soon coming Messiah. And so, hey, that's what positioned her in a place to be able to be favored by God. So let me give you a big idea, number two here, about the hope of God. Are you ready? This you need to think about. Uh, How many of you know what the word selah, you ever seen in scripture, I think a lot of times in Psalms, selah, everyone say selah. Or Salah. It means stop and meditate. Think on that for a minute. We may have to meditate on this big idea about the hope of God and about Mary's hope. Here it is. The reason Mary was endowed to hold the hope of the world within her was because she held the hope of the world within her. Let me expound. The reason God could favor Mary to hold the hope of the world, Jesus Christ, within her womb was because she already held the hope of the world within her heart. I'm going to say it again. The reason Mary was endowed to hold the hope of the world within her was because she held the hope of the world within her. And that's the same way it is for us. The reason we can carry Jesus on the inside of us is because of the hope we have in him. Are you with me? Say amen. And so I want you to get this. I want you to realize that, that, hey, God wants to fan into flame, if you will. He wants to, he wants to magnify and multiply and, and, and lift to another level your hope in him this holiday season. In fact, Jesus, everyone say Jesus is our hope. He really is. The Joel, Joel uh, chapter three, the prophet Joel, he said, the Lord will be the hope of his people. 
Paul understood this. He said in Acts 28, 20, uh, reference to Jesus, he is the hope of Israel. One of the descriptive names of Jesus was hope. In fact, he told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, when he said, when he, he said Paul, a bondservant of God by the, the one, and he described him as, as the, our Savior and Lord Jesus. And then he, this uh, little comma, our hope. He said this in Titus to Titus, in his letter to Titus, he said, he called him the blessed hope. And the reason Mary could carry the hope of the world within her was because she held the hope of the world within her. She hoped in him, not just for him. And today, nonetheless for us, you see, our hope today is not hoping for, it's hoping in. I put my confident expectation of my future in Him. My hope is in Him. Amen. So, now, from a biblical standpoint, let me just give you some insights about biblical hope because you and I need to gra grasp this and then we're going to have a prayer time this morning and just ask God to just resurrect our, the hope in us. You know, I, I talked to someone the other day and I heard these words come out of their mouth. I think I've lost my hope. And I wanted to say, I'm going to help you find it because it's not in the natural trappings of this world. Our hope is in Him. And as I said, the old hymn, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Here we go. Some biblical insight about hope. Here we go. God wants to birth it within us. Number one, we need to understand and embrace these truths. We're saved by hope. Did you know that? Remember, faith and hope are, are inseparable, conjoined twins in a sense. You can't live without, they can't live without each other and you can't live without either or of them. They're just different expressions of faith, if you will. And so the Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse 24, it says, for we are saved by hope which is another descriptive of faith. And that certainly co uh, uh, coincides with what the Bible says in Ephesians 2, for by grace you are saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Amen. Everyone say, thank God for hope. We're saved through hope. And then number two, we're indwelled by hope. Colossians, Paul said this in Colossians chapter one, verse 27. He said, Christ in you the hope of glory everyone say that with me christ in me the hope of glory now my goodness that's great christ in me dwelling inside of me is the confident expectation of glory in my life amen so we're saved by hope we're, <laughs> we're to be indwelled by hope i love this one we're protected by hope Hope will protect you. In fact, Paul said this in reference to hope. He talked about it kind of like a garment and as a helmet. First Thessalonians 5, 8, he said we're to put on a, 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 the, a hope as a helmet of salvation. It'll protect your mind. You see, in this world we live in, there's all kinds of things coming against us trying to undermine the foundations of our faith and steal us and rob us of our hope. But we need to keep that hope attached to our thinking process and realize, hey, 
It's not about this life. It's about that life. And hey, whatever I go through here, I'm hanging on to him and I'm trusting him because I know I'm on my way there. And his hope in me is going to be glorious and it will protect me from the enemies of life trying to steal my faith and undermine the hope of God in my life. Did you know in this room today, there are people whose hope is eroding away. And today's a new day for them. Today's a new day for you. We're saved by hope. We're indwelled by hope. We're protected by hope. And I love this one. We're secured by hope. In fact, I love this. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, I believe it is. Yeah, Hebrews chapter no six. And, and yeah, Hebrews six. And all through there talks about hope and faith. And it says this. We have this hope as an anchor of the soul. Think about that a moment. Now, what's an anchor do in a ship? Holds it steady in the storm. You don't need an anchor if there's no storm. Or if you don't need, if, you, if, you, if you're not concerned about being secure and steady and holding where God wants you to be, you need no anchor, but... How many know there's storms in life? The hope we have in him is like an anchor. In fact, if I was really good, I'd sing an old hymn, an old song called The Anchor Holes. Let me ask you this. In the storms of your life, what do you do? Oh, man, I call my daddy. I I call the preacher. That's who I call. You know, I call the prayer team. That's all good and okay. But let me tell you, the first thing you need to do in the storms of life, you better throw out the anchor and and just let it get a hold. You better start implementing the hope of God in your life and realizing, whoo, my confident expectation in him is just glorious. And he's going to take good care of me. I don't care what the storms say. I've got an anchor and it's going to hold me secure through this storm. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's true. We're saved by hope. We're indwelled by hope. We're protected by hope. We're secured in the storms of life by hope. And I love this. And I want you to turn to Zechariah. I got to show you this. And we're going to close in just a moment. We're set free by hope. Let me tell you something. Most people's hangups today Follow along with me, counselor. You can, you, you'll confirm that. Most people's issues today would be fixed, done with, flushed down the toilet of life if they just had a little hope in their heart about eternity. If they began to realize, whoo, I've got a confident expectation of good for my future. Let me show you this. Are you in Zechariah? I'm not. You better be. Zechariah, let me show you. Zechariah chapter 9. Follow with me over there. I'll get there in a moment. And I want to show you this because it has to do with a prophetic uh, uh, revelation of Jesus Christ coming to this world. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey. How many of you figured out who they're talking about right there? What a prophetic insight. Again, written years and years and years and years and years and years ago before Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. 
So this has to do with the prophetic insight of Jesus coming. Look in verse 11. As for you also, behold, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Because of what Jesus has done, he's saying, I'll set you free from the, uh, from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I will declare that I will restore double to you. Let me just explain. Because of Jesus, who is our hope, all the prisoners who are bound can be set free because of him. Now, I love the message. Anybody ever read the message? Sometimes it just, I love this. In fact, I don't have it in front of me, but that one of the first verses, uh, uh, gosh, verse 11 and 12, it talks about raise the roof where it says rejoice. Uh, let's see, where did, uh, no, in verse nine, verse nine, when it talks about the coming of Christ, uh, the message says, raise the roof. Everybody do this. Come on, raise the roof. I love that. So uh, in other words, come on now, it's time to part. Raise the roof so you can read it later. But here's what he says in verse 12. He says, come, hope-filled prisoners. This day I'm declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost will be returned twice over. Whew. See, there's liberty and hope. Hope will set you free. And just like Mary who held the hope of the world within her, we hold the hope of the world within us. And the reason we're able to hold the hope of the world within us is because we chose to trust Him. And it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Now let me close today with some important passages for us and be able to apply this in our life. We're talking about finding the Father's favor. We're talking about getting our hearts to a place where he can favor us at a whole new level. You'll never get there without hope. You'll have to follow in a little bit in the footsteps of Mary who carried the hope of Christ in her, which allowed her to carry the hope of the world within her. We've got to begin to allow hope to be realized. In fact, you know, one verse says in in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, it says this, and you've probably experienced this from time to time. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In other words, when you put your hope in something or someone and they let you down, it makes you sick. On a funny note, we were watching what, what, that stupid Christmas show. No, about who was it? Vacation, Christmas vacation. Is that what it was? And the father, his whole hope with Christmas was his bonus. And if you've watched the movie, I watched the edited version of the TV version. When he realized he didn't get his bonus with which he was going to purchase his new swimming pool, but he got a lifetime membership to Jelly Belly or something, he went on a tirade, to say the least. Pretty funny, but sad all at the same time. 
You see, if we put our hope in him, not in the things of this life. What happened to the old boy? His hope was deferred. It caused his heart to be sick. There are people in this room today, your hope has been deferred. And your heart's sick. But I came to tell you, Jeremiah 29, 11, God's plan for us. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. He's talking to you. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. That's the plan of God for all of our lives. He wants to give us a future and a hope. He wants our hearts to be healed today. He wants us to experience the hope of the world in our lives. If you're here today and you're a little heart sick, I know there's some people in this world who are heart sick. If we'll just yield ourselves to him, he'll give us a new future and a new hope. Let's stand together today. As we're standing today, I want to give you one more passage, one more thought. It's what Peter said about the hope of God. 1 Peter 3.15, he said, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts. There it is. Set him apart. Who is it? He's the hope of glory. Set the hope of God apart in your hearts.